0: Here at Life Church Community Church, we like to say, anything's possible. The greatest challenge for us in all the world is to be made right with our holy God. Jesus actually said it's easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for us to be made right with God. We don't have what it takes, but God does. And if God can make things right between us, there's nothing he can't do. With God, anything is possible. Alright, so I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Yes, Hebrews. I know we're talking about Moses, but we're going to talk from Hebrews chapter 11. And those softcover Bibles will be page 926. As you turn in there, I'm going to show you a quick video clip from uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, This is from, uh, you should recognize it. I'll let you, I'll let you look. You knew my father. I know him. Probably one of the few who knew him is William Turner. Everyone else has called him Bootstrap or Bootstrap Bill. Bootstrap? Good man. Good pirate. I swear, you look just like him. It's not true. He was a merchant sailor. A good, respectable man who obeyed the law. He was a bloody pirate, a scallywag. My father was not a pirate. Put it away, son. It's not worth you getting beat again. You didn't beat me. You ignored the rules of engagement in a fair fight and killed you. And that's not much incentive for me to fight fair, then, is it? Now, as long as you're just hanging there, pay attention. The only rules that really matter are these. What a man can do, and what a man can't do. For instance, you can accept that your father was a pirate and a good man. or well, you can't. The pirate is in your blood, boy, so you'll have to square with that someday. Now, like me, for example. I can let you drown. But I can't bring this ship into Tortuga all by me once. savvy. So. Can you sail under the command of a pirate? Or can you not? There we go. All right. So, how many have seen that movie? You've seen Pirates of the Caribbean. All right. Well... There are some things that a man can do and some things that you can't do. There are some things that cannot be done alone. You cannot sail a pirate ship to Tortuga alone. It's just very simple. Um, you, can't, you just can't do it. You need help. Um, you also can't play tennis alone. It's very hard. Um, it's virtually impossible to thumb wrestle alone. Um, you can't have an argument alone, although some people try. And I won't go there. That's a different conversation. Um, a parent, I know growing up I had sisters. It's almost virtually impossible for ladies to use the restroom alone, right? All right. Um, I joined a gym uh, with Pastor Dre. And, uh, you know, it's just the kind of thing. I, I had been here seven years. I never went a single day until he came here. But it's just one of those things. Going to the gym is something that's easier to do when you have somebody to do it with you, right? It's just easier to have a partner in that. Um, uh, it's the reason support groups work. Right, there's just some things that you can't do alone. It's just easier to do when you have somebody helping you. You know, it's hard to break those habits by yourself, but if somebody's keeping you accountable, there's just things that you are better. Um, we're better together. We talk about this all the time. We're better together. And living out our living out faith, like something that you believe, it doesn't have to be faith in God. Just living out faith in general. Um, is exponentially harder when you're alone, right? If you believe something, it's just a lot easier to be around people who believe like you. Um, People who believe similarly are often attracted to each other, right? You know this, you kind of gravitate towards those people who believe like you. You just like to be around people who really get it, you know, who get you, right? Um, That's pretty much the reason um, I never leave New Jersey, um, because they don't get me. You know, I just, they don't understand. Like there's just something, right? There's just something about Jersey people, right? You get it. Um, Just drive on the PA Turnpike and you're like, these people, they look like us. But they're not like us. All right. Um, And the story of Moses is all about belief. It's about faith. And he believed that God um, had something better in mind for the people of Israel. And unfortunately, he was alone in that virtually, there was almost nobody else that believed in what Moses believed. Um, and so his story is one of faith among disbelief. And that's pretty much our story today. Right. That's the culture we live in. Right. We are people of faith trying to live in a culture of disbelief, of skeptics. Right. Um, and it can be challenging to live out faith among people who don't believe. Right. Like you go to your work and you you're trying to live out faith in, in a work environment that doesn't believe what you believe or or in a family that doesn't believe what you believe or with peers that don't believe what you believe. It's it's challenging. It's hard to live out faith among people who who don't believe. And eventually we can begin to even question ourselves. You know, am I sure about this? Right? It's one thing for them to say it, for me to say it. And it's easy here. Right. But it's like but the real world, it can be it can be challenging. Um. So today we're going to. End our series by reading Moses's epitaph. The end of his life is sort of his, the summary of, of his life. Um, and Moses had a hard life. Like we think of Moses, I don't know what you think of. Maybe you think of the miracles and the Red Sea and all this kind of stuff. But Moses had a hard life. Remember, he wasn't even supposed to be born. Right. As soon as he was born, he was supposed to be thrown in the Nile River. And, and so from the moment he was born, he wasn't wanted by this world. He had a very hard life. And so we're going to ask this question in in the message today. For a person of faith who lived in a culture that did not believe, this is the question. If he had it all to do over again, would he do anything different? So by the end of the message, we're going to answer that question. For Moses, a person who lived in a culture, a person of faith in a culture of disbelief, if he had it to do over again, would he do anything different? Okay, my hope is that somehow in reviewing his story today, it's going to shed light on your own journey uh, through life uh, with faith. So the writer of Hebrews summarizes Moses' life story in chapter 11. This is just for, you know, for the context of Hebrews. Um, Hebrews is a book written to the Jewish people from uh, to help them understand about Jesus. Because you know, Jewish people didn't, didn't understand who Jesus was. They didn't receive him. They didn't believe that he was really the son of God like he said he was. He was just somebody else. And the book of Hebrews is written to them to give evidence and proof to say, hey, here's some logical thinking for you to understand why Jesus is who he said he is. And one of the things that the writer does is he looks throughout history. And he says, here's some history. Let's talk about history of people who actually are in your history to the, to the Jews, who are in the Jewish history, but who are actually believing in Jesus, even way back when. And he, and he gives evidence there. And this is basically the Hall of Fame of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Like this is the Cooperstown, the Canton. Um, nobody knows where the Basketball Hall of Fame is, so I won't even say that. And hockey doesn't even, I don't think there are any Hall of Famers. Um, I'm kidding. I just don't know any. Um, So he begins with this definition of faith in Hebrews chapter eleven. He begins with the definition of faith, and then we'll begin to get into their story. So here we go. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one. It'll be on the screen. You can read it if you'd like, and it says this: Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So this is faith. This is the summary of faith. It's the it's the evidence of things we can't see. Right? It's it's believing in what's beyond says, verse two says, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. And then he goes on to share stories here of people whose legacy was defined by faith. So we're going to go through. He kind of goes through this. We're going to skip around. We're not going to read them all because it's a long chapter and we don't have time. I wish I did. I really this would very easily be a two hour message and I would have no problem. You're welcome. I cut it down. Okay, Hebrews. So we're going to skip to verse eight. And it says this. It was by faith that Abraham. Right, obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. If you remember Abraham is this the this beginning of the story, pretty much. When God says, Abraham, you know, I want you to go, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna bless the world through you, I'm gonna make your name famous, right? All this kind of stuff. And that's kind of where the story started. And the reality is for Abraham it would have been safer to stay. For the first time in history, God interacts with somebody says, Hey Leave your family, leave leave your house, leave your home and just go. And I got something better for you. Like there are times in life where people will try and tell you that and the skeptic in you comes out. I think I've shared this story before. We went to a concert in New York City with some of our music team members years ago and we were in line. And it's like a line to get into the concert. And some guy in New York City walks up to us and goes, hey, you guys want to want better seats? Huh? He's like, yeah. Hey, just, just follow me right now. How many of you would go? Yeah, Andy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Andy's trusting. All right. Me, I'm like, Psh, Nut job. Like, There's no way I'm going anywhere. We stayed in line. We get in. He turned out to be the sound guy. <laughs> hey. My New Jersey skeptic. I was like, hey, dude. You're just trying to get me out of line. Then you'd be like, ah, he's going to run off. Like, I don't know who this guy is. Like... I I didn't trust him. You know, hey, so here's Abraham. God's like, hey, just follow me. And Abraham, it was a lot safer to stay. But he had faith. He believed. It says he believed in God that that had more for him. And his faith resulted in a history-changing journey. Really, that altered history. Our history is is affected by the faith of Abraham way back when. We skip to verse 11. It says, and it was by faith. That his wife, Sarah, uh, was, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. In the text and other places, it says her womb was like dust. Right? She is old, but it says she believed that God would keep his promise. She's about a hundred years old and God's promised to have her child. And she's like, I can't have a child. Right. Come on. A hundred years old. There's no way. My, I'm barren. It's old. It's too late for me. But she believed that God could still do it somehow, some way. And the result of her faith was a child. One. Just one. But do not despise the small beginnings, because that child became Isaac. And verse 12 tells us, and so a whole nation came from that one man. Who, from, from one who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. Oh, man. Crazy. So her faith believing in something impossible produced a nation. And then the writer has listed name after name of people who lived a life of faith. And it's just incredible, incredible. And something really surprising connects them all. Look at verse 13. It says this. It says, all these people that he's listed previously, so you can go back and read, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agree that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Anybody ever feel like that? Like you don't belong here? Yeah, join the club. Literally, you're in the club. <laughs> um, obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. So says they could have gone back. They didn't receive the full measure of God promise. Uh, hey God, you know, I ordered a nation and all I got was a kid, one, just one. Um, I think there's maybe some more in the kitchen still. Like, could you bring like you said a nation and I have one boy. You missed a few people. At some point along the journey, do you think Abraham probably had the thought to go back? I'm following God. Where am I going? Where's this gonna end? Maybe I should go back. I'm sure that that crossed Abraham's mind. And here's the truth. Ready? Here's the truth. Number one, you can go back. You can go back. At any point, at any time, you can go back. Here's the second truth. There is nothing for you there. You don't belong there. You don't belong there. You can go back, but you don't belong there. And here's the third. Something better is ahead. You can go back, but you don't belong there because something better is ahead. So these people, and he starts going through these lists of people, the writers, all these people, crazy promises, and along the way they're going, ah, maybe I should just go back. Maybe I should turn around. Maybe this is just a, maybe this is stupid. I'm just really going to, I'm getting myself in trouble. But for some reason, something inside them, faith compelled them to keep going. Verse 16 says this, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Then the writer talks about Moses. He goes in to talk about Moses here. Ready? This is the story. We've been, t- we've been do- looking at Moses his whole life, and he says this, it was by faith. Listen for that word faith. It's throughout the scriptures. Listen, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Listen, they should have been killed, but they believed in something better. Faith prompted them, and their faith resulted in courage. Maybe you need courage today. Faith to believe in something that's going to take you courage. Skip down to verse 24 now. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Right? First was about his parents, now it's about Moses. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was probably tempting for Moses to be selfish, be like, hey, I'm special. I'm in the palace. I'm good. My people might be suffering, but it's all good for me. I've got everything I could ever need. I'm I'm, I'm basically the son of the Pharaoh's daughter right i'm i'm like i'm i could be heir to the throne who knows like moses everything is good but he believed that even that wasn't the best god had for him that there was something more and his faith gave him purpose and it gave him identity verse 27 it was by faith that moses left the land of egypt not fearing the king's anger right now if you know remember the story we talked about this moses right he goes out and tries to lead the people Out of Egypt, and and the king, right, he is is not happy. Pharaoh is not happy with Moses with what he's doing. But it says Moses kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Guess what? From Egypt, you can't see the promised land. Moses had no idea what it looked like. He only knew that God said, go. But his faith resulted in in vision. It said he could see it. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. This was in Egypt. This had never happened before. God says, hey, I'm going to do this. Put blood on your doorposts of sheep and goats. And they're like, what? This is weird. But Moses is saying, hey, I believe that God's, I don't know, it's weird, but just, take, just let's take God's word for it. And his faith resulted in salvation for the Israelites. And then it goes on. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. We talked about this last week. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days. And the walls came crashing down one after another. These impossible situations and faith results in miracles, faith results in miracles, faith results. You you see the story that's building. here. I'm going somewhere, so just stick with me. But he's going through all these stories saying there's impossible situations, but they believed in what they couldn't see. And so they went through anyway, and it came through. Verse 32. The writer, like me, says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Aren't we thankful that he didn't go into there and that I'm not reading them all? It says, by faith, these people, listen, listen to what they did because of their faith. It says, they overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. They were weaker than what threatened them, but their faith resulted in supernatural power. But that's not the whole story of faith, because you see that the verse goes on. It says, but others were tortured. Nope, keep, back, back, not done. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. So you get all these great victories, awesome power, miracles, and then oh yeah, there were these others. Right? They were tortured. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Oh, it gets better. Listen to this. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. That sounds pleasant. Okay. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Does that sound fun? We like the faith part that talks about overcoming the world. And then there's people who in faith were sawed in half. Oh boy. Which one am I going to get? Because that's obviously the truth. There's no guarantee of safety with faith. It could be either or. It might be both. But verse 38 tells us, I love this, they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. See, faith that results in miracles also can result in pain and loss and suffering. This is a great message. I'm signing up for faith today. Truth is we don 't know what our story of faith will bring us. Moses experienced both. the story of Moses is the story of both. right There were miracles in power, right There was incredible heights. He saw God face to face, right It says he heard the audible voice of God by his hand. Miracles led a nation out of slavery right into the promised land. He walked through the Red Sea. Right, He just waved his stick around and food showed up, water showed up, provision, protection. They won battles. It was awesome. There were miracles all over the place for Moses. There was so much great stuff. But let me also tell you, he spent 40 years in obscurity hiding from his past. The king tried to kill him from the moment he was an infant. That time leading Israelites all throughout the desert, that was not fun. They were rebellious, stubborn, obstinate people. He was accused of being power hungry, of being lost, of being crazy. He endured constant complaining from a nation of people who couldn't escape slave mentality. They wanted to go back. They wanted to go back. And he's like, I see more. And they're like, let's go back. Let's go back. Why'd you lead us out here? It's like going to dinner with any, any, just any children. Why did you bring me to this burger place? It's awful. They don't have the drink I want. The napkins are funny. Right, these seats are slippery and they're doing and right and you're like, Oh, I'm just trying to do something good, can't you see it? And they're like, Let's go back, let's go back, let's go somewhere else. He was tasked with leading a million foolish, unfaithful, ungrateful people to a land he had never seen. And after all that, let me tell you, it gets even better for Moses, after all of that, after being faithful, after doing it all, one act of disobedience on his part prevented Moses from ever actually setting foot in the promised land that God had called him to lead the people into. He never actually got there. Faith was a mixed bag for Moses. Oh, boy. So why believe? What good does it do? If our story might just as well end in pain as it couldn't triumph, why take that chance? Read verse 39. All these people that he just listed in this Hall of Fame of Faith, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. But listen to this. It wasn't just Moses. None of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Listen, not one of those people, not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, right? Not Joseph, not Moses, not his parents, not Joshua, Caleb, go on down the line, right? Not King David, not, not not a single one in history received everything God had promised them. See, faith on this side is the assurance and the confidence, the unshakable belief that what awaits is worth every ounce of suffering in this life, that it will be worth it. But faith demands that you won't have it because it's once it's in your hands, you don't need faith for it anymore. Faith is confidence in what I don't have, that God has something better. When Moses came to the end of his life, the truth is God led him up to a mountaintop. You can read this story. I was going to read the rest of Moses' story, but I realized it just went from the rest of Exodus, all of Leviticus, all of Deuteronomy, and uh, all of Numbers. Okay, so it has just been like four books I had to cover today. And I was like, ah, it's a little bit much. I'm going to take it easy on you. But you can read this, that at the end of his life, God leads him to a mountain. And from the mountaintop, Moses stands there and says he can see it. God lets him actually look across the landscape and see the promised land that the people will be going to. So he saw, he knew it was real. It was real. But he never got to set foot in it. So here's the question again. Do you think in that moment, Moses regretted trusting God? Here I am on a mountaintop, there's a land, and I'm never going to get there on this earth. I will never set foot. I will never receive all that God has promised me. Do you think he regretted it? Do you think if he had it to do over again when he if he could transport himself back to that moment where he's in front of a burning bush? He's just a shepherd, it's just a staff in his hand, just a normal stick. It's never done anything weird. And in that moment, if he had if if God said, Hey, listen, I want you to leave my people out, but let me tell you, you're never going to actually get there yourself. Do you think Moses would have signed up for it? Or do you think he'd go back? Can I tell you, I know for certain that Moses would have done it all over again. And here's why. You ready for this? When Jesus approached the end of his life, Jesus now, he knew his death on the cross was imminent, right? He's he's walking towards the last moments, he knows. And that same temptation that faced the Israelites was confronting him. Jesus is praying, right? And there's this moment, this grief. Oh no, I, I don't know if I want to go through with this. Right? He can go back. He could give up. He could quit. And listen, guess who God sends to coach Jesus through this final push to the finish line. You ready for this? Luke tells us. It says, Jesus took Peter John and James up to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. It's called the transfiguration. There's this spiritual moment happening here. It says, as Jesus is there just struggling, it says, suddenly two men, here they are, Moses and Elijah, appear and begin talking with Jesus and they were glorious to see and they were speaking about his exodus from this world which was about to be filled in Jerusalem here's the truth God sent Moses to encourage Jesus to keep going to have faith think about that you're going to send somebody who regretted it or you're going to send somebody who was like in faith I'm in all the way Whether I see it or not, Jesus is standing there and God says, who can I send to encourage my son that it's going to be worth it to live the life of faith? I know I'm going to send the guy who never got there, but who believed because that's faith. Moses stands there talking to Jesus, cheering him on, telling that what was on the other side was worth the pain of obedience on this side. So what today? So what? Now here's the so what. If Jesus needed encouragement to not lose faith, doesn't it make sense that we would need it too? I mean, Jesus Himself needed encouragement not to lose faith. Anybody think you could you use some encouragement not to lose faith? I mean, maybe you're perfect. Maybe you just believe, and hey, it's all copacetic. You got nothing to worry about, right? Just I just believe. You no, know, hey, nothing can shake me. My faith is rock solid. If that's you. Please write a book. I will read it. I promise we will sell it here. But for the rest of you. In all his wisdom, God knew that you and I would have moments throughout our life where our faith fails us and where we struggle to believe. And God knew just what we needed. Ready? Here's here's what God gave to us that's going to help us through those moments. So if you are here today and you are struggling with faith, there are moments in your life. You have days where you're just not sure if it's not better to go back. If that's you today, and I'm in that club, if that, listen, this is what God, this is what God gave, right? Just the very next verse, chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. That word, surrounded. We're going to go back there. Surrounded in Greek. All right, it means this. Think of athletic stadium walls. Right. Think of like the Roman Colosseum. Right. Think of the stadium mentality. Okay. It comes from that word. See, faith puts you in the game. Faith makes you an athlete. You are not the crowd. You are in the middle of the crowd. You're in the middle of the arena. Faith enters you into the arena. It says you're surrounded like an athlete in an arena. You are surrounded, and it says, by a great crowd. The word crowd actually comes from a word meaning clouds. saying that the crowd was actually piled up. It, it, it actually is this a sense of like they were actually laying on each other, piled up all around you, so high that it would get to the clouds. Anybody ever sit in the nosebleeds? Right? That's where you sit, right? You go to, you go to a, a football game, and you are like... Top row. The clouds are like right there. That's what it meant. It meant the crowds were so high that you were in the clouds. That this crowd that surrounds you is so full, it goes up to heaven. That there's a heavenly crowd surrounding you. See, here's the deal. God knew that you couldn't have faith alone. That we can't do it alone. There are things that a person can do and things we can't do. And we can't have faith alone. And God says, I got a solution for you. It's called a crowd. It's a crowd around you. And there's there's a couple layers of this crowd, right? Layer number one is the crowd of history. You got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. Right? Peter and James and John and they're just surrounded you. Right? You've got you got the heroes of faith, right? They are surrounding you. But second, can you just look around for a minute? Like, i give you permission. It's not going to be weird. Everybody look around. And you're like, I don't want to look. Okay, look at two people. I'm done. Uh, Yeah, look around. You can look around casually. Just look over their heads. That's not weird at all. Just look just above them. You are surrounded by people who are just as human as you, who have the same questions and concerns as you, who have just as much on the line as you, who are looking just like you for a better place. Because this is not it. Does anybody, would anybody be happy if this was it? Would this world be enough, this kind of life? Would you rather this? Or would you rather the something better? See, because we can't prove it, but we believe that God is faithful and that He will come through. See, because there's another crowd. There's there's the crowd of history that surrounds us. And there's the crowd of the church that surrounds us to encourage us in faith. But there's another crowd. It's called the crowd of doubters. Of people who don't believe. And it's all around us right now, too. Those who gave up. And they beckon you to join them in their doubt. And they sing, say things like, don't waste your life. And it's not reasonable and... Who believes in what they can't see and faith is so foolish. How could you be so foolish? This is all there is. You know, I find it ironic that the people who say this is all there is haven't been to the end yet. Like what? Like it takes just as much faith for somebody to say this is all there is as it does for us. So everybody's got faith. We got faith that there's more. They got faith that there's not. OK, we're both living in faith, but don't knock me for my faith. Right. Right. Maybe, maybe what my faith, yeah, I believe and there's more you don't. OK, hey, you know, that's it. But there's doubters. So here's the question today. In those moments when your faith is being challenged, when you believe God is just your faith, it compels you to do something and you're not sure if you can do it. Here's my question. What crowd are you listening to? Are you listening to those who see nothing beyond the here and now? Or are you listening to those who are in heaven, who have already been to the other side, and those who are heavenly minded? See, the stands are filled to the max with people cheering you on. See, my job is to be a cheerleader today. To say, come on. If Moses were to come down right now and meet you where you are, Can I ask, what would he say to you? In your moment of of struggle, of challenge, and I'm not sure if I believe this, if I can do this, if Moses himself were to show up, maybe throw in Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, right? We could throw in everybody who's Jesus standing there, right there. Come on. Belief. Don't give up on this. Let me tell you, Abraham and Sarah are cheering you on. Isaac and Rebecca, jo- Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Peter, John, Paul. Everyone who has ever walked through this life and has finished their race is cheering you on. Keep going. You are surrounded by the crowds of history and they are chanting your name and they're saying, don't quit. Keep going. It's going to be worth it. Don't quit. Not only that, but strip off the weight. Would you run a race with 100 pounds in your backpack? I know Jake would, but nobody else would, okay? Like, that's not normal, okay? Would you, would you run a race with heavy weights? No, you want, not if you want to win. What you do is you throw off whatever is holding you back. So let me ask you, who is holding you back? Who is holding you back? In order to go where you have not yet been. You will need to do things you have not yet done before. We know this. And faith demands a refining of every part of our life. It's not some that's one I'm I'm sorry. It's been a long week. I have little filter right now, so I'm just going New Jersey all out. But faith is not just some nice neat compartment of your life to make you feel better. Faith is a radical commitment to believing that what cannot be seen is worth sacrificing what can. Faith is all in. Jesus didn't say, come and it'll be great. He said, come and die. Give your life in it, but it will be worth it. Once we recognize that, guess what? Then you can run with endurance because you're throwing off those things that are holding you back. Every attachment in this world, everything to, to yesterday, everything known holds you back. And as we run, it says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Look forward. It says, You're surrounded. So throw off what holds you back and run with endurance, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Look ahead. You know, we said we joined a gym, like I mentioned. And uh, one of the workouts we'd sign up for, we signed up, We, for you get like a one day of free training with the guy. You know, and it's great. It's ten bucks a month. And then you get trainer, you get him for two hundred dollars a month. Like, oh, man, what a deal. was great. So the first day that we're there with the training, we didn't sign up. Um, but he tried his best. The first day, he's like, he, he said, you know, here's a little exercise for you. It's like a, like a box, you know, and he's like, hey, step up on the box, and then come back down, and put your other leg and step up on a box. And I'm like, all right, trying to a little wobbly. He's like, okay, he goes, he gets his hand and there's like a pole, and he puts a mark on the pole. He's like, okay, hey, no, keep your eyes on the mark when you're doing it. And as I'm stepping up, I'm looking up, and I'm like, ah, oh, I kept my balance. Like something about looking up helped me maintain my balance. Oh, you know it's a metaphor I got to go there all right It's just like it's a softball Keep your eyes up helps us maintain our balance in life right it says, run your race but don't run with your eyes down run with your eyes up look ahead never forget where you're going vision fades it fades and you've got to keep your eyes up and keep it before you because heaven is out there. The best is yet to come. It's out there. But, but we just lose sight of it. We start getting our eyes down. Faith is the only thing that will lead us to the something better God has for us. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to invite Anna just to come on up and just play a little in the, as we close. But I want to say this to you today. The day that you choose to live a life of faith, something awesome happens. When you choose to live a life of faith, guess what? You become part of the crowd. Not only do people cheer you on, but you also become part of the crowd. We get to cheer on others. And the rea- reality is our families are filled with people who struggle to believe. Our workplaces are filled with people who struggle to believe. They, they hear so many voices, so many different crowds, and they don't know who to listen to. And when you, when you become part of the life of faith, you add your voice to the already huge crowd of faith, cheering for those who believe in God, who has something better for all of us. I'm going to end with a, with a poem today. I want you to listen to this. It's a poem attributed to Dr. D. Groberg. And it says, A child's race, young boys, young men, How I remember well, excitement sure, but also fear, it was not hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win the race, or tie for first, and if not that, at least take second place. Fathers watched from off the side, each cheering for his own. Each child hoped to show his dad that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they went, young hearts and hopes afire. To win, to be the hero, that was each child's desire. And one child in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running in the lead and thought, My dad will be so proud. But as he sped down the field and across a shallow dip, the child who thought to win had lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his hands flew out in brace. Amid the laughter of the crowd, the child fell on his face. So down he fell with all hope lost. He couldn't win. Not now. Embarrassed, sad, he only wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face. This to the child so clearly said, get up and win that race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all. And off he ran with all his might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs. He slipped and fell again. He wished then he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I should not try to race. But in the laughing crowd he searched and found his father's face that steady look that said again, get up and win that race. So up he jumped to try again, ten yards behind the last. If I'm going to gain those yards, I've got to run real fast. Exerting everything he had, regaining eight, then ten, but trying hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat, he lay there silently. A tear dropped from his eye, There is no sense in running anymore. Three strikes, I'm out. Why try? The will to rise had disappeared. All hope had fled away. So far behind, so error prone, I'll never go all the way. I've lost, so what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who would soon he'd have to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win the race. Get up, it said, you've not lost at all. For winning is no more than this. To rise each time you fall. So up he rose to run once more, refusing to forfeit. He resolved that win or lose the race, at least he would not quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been. So he gave it all he had and ran as though to win. Three times he'd fallen stumbling, three times he'd risen again, too far behind to hope to win, but he still ran to the end. They cheered the winning runner as they crossed the line first place, head high, proud and happy, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line last place, the crowd gave him the greatest cheer for finishing that race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I did not do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. Now, when things seem dark and difficult to face, the memory of that child helps me in my race. For all of life is like that race with ups and downs and all. And all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. When depression and despair shout loudly in my face, another voice within me says, get up and win that race. Today, I don't know, perhaps you're here. And that's your story of faith. It's falling and it's messy and it's challenge and it's struggle, and there are good days and bad days. Let me tell you two things. One, there is a father who is speaking into your heart. Get up and win that race. Winning is finishing. It is never quitting. And the second, there is a crowd of people cheering your name, piled into the heavens. There's a painting in my office of a man as a preacher standing there. It says what I do. Somebody gave it to me as a preacher standing there and behind him in shadowy figures are images of Moses and Jacob and Joseph and the history of characters in the Old Testament. And it's got that verse on it that we are surrounded by people of history saying, Hey, I believe in you. Keep going do not quit. Maybe that's your story today. And guess what? I guarantee you that there are people outside of this room that that is absolutely their story. They want to believe. But there's a crowd of people in our world who just say, why go? Just stop. It's foolish. You can't see anything over there. It's a wild goose chase. There's nothing beyond the world is filled with desperate people needing encouragement. They need to hear your voice. They need to hear our collective voices simply saying, I believe. I can't prove it. I, I, don't, I may not have all the evidence, but I'm just telling you, I believe. God Himself, Moses, the crowds of heaven, may all of us join together to shout to the world, get up, have faith, keep going, win that race. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that even in my moments of weakness or on those days where I just I just want to go back I'm tired I can't see the end feels like it's just never going to get there and it's hard God in that moment Lord you just speak just still small voice But it's the voice of my Father. And He says, get up. You were made for more than this. I have something better. Lord, I thank You that You have surrounded all of us with the crowds of heaven, with people who have believed and who have received now in eternity everything that You promised. Lord, we don't receive it on this earth, but someday we will. Someday you, who are faithful, will fulfill every promise you've made to us. Lord, it's all going to be ours. Your promises are yes and amen. They are done. And it is our faith that leads us there. If you're here today, as our heads are bowed, if you're here today and you just need faith you want to believe but it's just hard to believe I tell you faith is a gift it's not not a matter of trying harder It's it's not believing more it's nothing we can conjure up it's simply a gift of God he just gives it to us if you just need faith today would you just raise your hand and say God I need you today God would you see my hand God I just need you today God would you just look right now if that's you, just raise your hand and say, God, I need faith. I need the belief. And if you're here today, and you're, perhaps you have faith, but it's just being challenged. And you can't see beyond. You just need God to lift your eyes. If that's you, you say, God, would you just lift my eyes? Help me to see beyond the here and now right now. God, my faith, my eyes are so limited, my sight is so limited. I want to see beyond. Because I need to do that. I'm out of balance. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, God, would you just give me sight today? Help me to see. God, I ask most of all, Lord, you've seen our hands. Would you respond today? Lord, you're already at work among us. Lord, do it. God, I ask you, would you just today... Help us to see the crowds around us. Help us to hear their voices. To know that we are not alone in this. Or there are just some things we can't do alone. And living the life of faith is one of them. We need the encouragement of those who believe. To stand shoulder to shoulder with us. And walk with us. And that's the beauty of your church. That's what this is. It's not something we come to to check off a box or to say I've done my religious duty. It is a community of faith-filled believers who are journeying through life together. We encourage and lift up one another. We are better together. We need each other. And I thank you for creating it. Help us to continue to be the church that you've called us to be today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Tree, please check us out online at com.